Welcome to episode 247 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week my guest is myself, Amanda Hoffman, and I'm being interviewed by Trish Allegra-Smith, a different friend who is also a past podcast guest, Tahid Matoya, and I were talking about my process of getting both registered with VA Healthcare and the outcomes of my disability claim, and she recommended I do an episode about what that process was like, and although our schedules weren't able to work out so that Tahin could be my interviewer, I was able to find someone else to do the interview, and that's Trish, and she's already interviewed me once before, and I'm really excited with how this episode turned out, so I really hope that you find value if you have questions about what VA healthcare is, what the PACT Act is, what a disability claim is, and what you need to do to get enrolled in VA healthcare or to file a disability claim. I hope you can get those questions answered in this interview, and if there are still questions that you have, because we can't answer everything in this short time, I have a few other resources on the podcast that I will link to in the show notes so that you can find them easily, and also feel free to reach out to me either via email or on social media, and I am happy to help you get connected with the right people and get your questions answered. And before we get started, I want to remind you that you can listen to Women of the Military podcast on Reefs Across America Radio. You can listen on Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, and you can listen on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, or Odyssey. So let's get started with this week's interview. Welcome, everyone, to Women of the Military podcast. I'm here with Trish, and you probably think she's going to be my guest, but she's already been on the podcast. Actually, she's been on the podcast twice, once to tell her story, once to interview me, and now she's back again to interview me again. I went through the process of getting registered with the VA and then going through my disability claim, and one of my other friends recommended I talk about that experience, and so here we are. So thanks so much, Trish, for being here and for interviewing me. So I'm handing the reins over to you. I'm a little afraid. So this is one of my favorite things to do is to pop onto your podcast because it is, um, you know, I get to listen in the car. I'm on the road a lot as a photographer. And so I catch up on all the podcast episodes, but it's fun when I get to turn the tables and ask you questions. I know one of the things that you brought me on here to discuss today was, again, that the VA healthcare experience. VA, for those of you that don't know, stands for the Veterans Administration. And I don't know about anybody else who's listening, but for me, I really wasn't familiar with this process. I know that they touch upon the VA, everything that it has to offer, but it was like rushing through you know, a whole menu or buffet of benefits as we're going through TAPS class, right? Transitioning out. Um, and I, I know I'm not the only one who's had this experience because I talk to other women veterans, especially those of us who are also military spouses. And we don't think that we really need it or that it applies to us because we're also, we're still military dependents of an active duty spouse. Now for Amanda, what did you understand about um, the Veterans Administration when you left the military. Yeah, I had a two hour long briefing about everything related to the VA. And the funny thing is, the biggest thing I remember was that if you knew a veteran who died, you could get like the special letter from the president. And I'm like, why is that when I walked away from the, the whole like 
two-hour spiel about the VA because I think that part was like the easiest part to understand because there was so much at you and so many acronyms that everything was just like soup and that was like the only thing that I realized or that I could walk away with and it was easy and not complicated and I'm like that really doesn't help me because that's for (laughs) after you die and so yeah that was my experience I didn't and I knew that there was five years of free VA healthcare for women and I knew they had started a program but like you I am a military spouse and so I was like why do I need that I have healthcare and I didn't understand why that was important and I didn't look into it so when did you actually start looking into it so I went to the Ginger's conference the diversity inclusion the women veteran it's interactive. They have a conference every year in November. Ginger Miller puts puts together, yes. Yeah, Ginger Miller puts together. She's been a guest on the podcast. And so I went to that conference and people started talking about the VA and disability and registering. And I that was the first time that I had heard about it. And they had some people to help you with a disability claim. But at the time, I didn't think that I had any reason to file a disability claim. And I just wanted to learn how to register. And people seemed to be talking a lot about the disability stuff and not the registration. And so I felt really confused and overwhelmed. And also, I got out in October. It was five years and one month after. Oh, no. Yeah. Five years and one month. And at the time before the PACT Act changed it to 10 years, that was like the window to get in to register. And so then I felt like I had screwed up and missed my chance and really just was like wondering what way can I get into the VA system? Oh, wow. So yeah, it's it's interesting that many of us learn about different benefits that we're entitled to as veterans when we're just a day late and a dollar short is the best way to put it. That's when we find things out. Now, did you have something um, some else or something that you've identified as a disability or something that you saw in your records or something that came out later that convinced you you needed to go back and actually look take a closer look at VA healthcare? Yeah, I well, I realized that the trauma I experienced from my deployment that I needed to get that looked at. And then also when the PACT Act came out, I am a I, I had skin cancer in 2019, and I found it really early and was able to get it removed. I still like kind of freak out because it happened in September, October of 2019 was when I found it, and then it was removed like a couple weeks later, and um, it was stage zero melanoma. And so I'm, I'm so, especially with the pandemic and like doctor's offices being closed and all the stuff that happened in 2020, I, I'm so thankful to God that I was able to find it and have it just be something that was like a minor annoyance because it really was just getting to the doctor's appointments that made it happen. And so I knew that was a presumptive. So I really wanted to file my claim for that. And then I also, as I worked with my VA rep, he helped me make sure that I, I have a hole in my eardrum that I got while I was on active duty and minor hearing loss. And so those were the, the main things that they, that we looked at for the claim. 
going back for the things that you said, you had a hole in your eardrum and hearing loss was, was two, were two of the things that happened on active duty. Was that documented in your medical records while you were on active duty? Yeah. Well, I had surgery while I was on active duty um, because they found the hole while I was deployed and there was a lot of drainage and a lot of issues with that. And so I had surgery and that fixed like 99% of the issues that I had. Like I don't have drainage anymore. I don't have pain very often, but every once in a while I do. And they were able to, so now you can't even see the hole, but when you do the test, it doesn't get the pressurization like it's supposed to. And the other thing that you mentioned was presumptive, presumptive conditions. Can you just explain a little bit more of what presumptive conditions are and what that means? Yeah, so for both the PACT Act and then even if you go back to like Vietnam, there's certain diseases or cancers or different things that if they happen, even like I got out in 2013 and the skin cancer was in 2019, but because I was in Afghanistan and you just have to be in the region because a lot of it's due to the burn pits. And so I was like, how close to the burn pits do you have to be? And they're like in the country. And so if you're in the country, then you and then you get that disease or cancer or um, anything like I know there's a lot of people who have asthma post military service and that's a big one. And so if you go through the list on the PACT Act and like Vietnam veterans and you find that you have one of those, you can file your disability claim and you know that you'll at least get 0% for whatever that is. And 0% allows you to get into the VA system if you've missed your five, 10 year window. And it also allows you to go, like I have my appointment in November to do my follow-up for my skin check. So I have all my healthcare related to anything dermatology with the VA now. So now it's documented. So if anything changes in the future, you have the right to the benefits that you earned. And I know you mentioned PACTAP. Many of us have um, received that letter from the VA that talks about registering with the burn pit registry, especially if you've been in you know, many different um, areas of conflict um, in theaters of operation. You're right about the anywhere in that country, you know, in, in any of those countries. How does that relate, that burn pit registry relate to the PACTAC? And um, for the PACT Act, what exactly is that? So the PACT Act, actually I did a podcast interview about it. I should have looked up the number before, but I'll make sure to put it in the, the show notes so that people can find it easily. But I did it last October and last summer, not this past summer, but the summer of 2022, veterans advocated on Capitol Hill to get the PACT Act passed and it changed so many things. It's like I, I did a whole podcast episode and I'm still learning more stuff about it. So it's like I can't really explain it in a quick blur, but it changed things for post 9-11 veterans. It's really focused. It's kind of like what they advocated for Vietnam veterans after the Vietnam War and were able to get all those you know, diseases and cancers and everything that Vietnam veterans were facing a lot because of Agent Orange. And this is because of the burn pits and other different things that happened in Afghanistan. And so it changed so many things, a list of too many things long of like, um, but all the things that veterans today are facing challenges because of that. And it also extended that five, remember I was at five years and one month and they changed it to 10 years. And so, which actually is 
let's see what month is it september my 10 years is october of getting out of the military so i was able to register with the va even before i did my disability claim and because i wasn't capped by my income i was able to get into the va system very easily and well sort of easily i did it online but then i had to go in person and do it all over again so like it just um the system overloaded or you know like the systems don't really talk to each other so like i got into the va i got a letter from the va that i was like in and that and they assigned me to um one of the clinics but then i found out that clinic didn't have a center for women so then i ended up going to long beach and so i don't know if it's because like i picked not picked the wrong but i didn't pick the va that had a center and i wanted to switch if that's what it but it all worked out i got in the system but that would be i guess my recommendation if you like do the online program because it'll tell you if you're eligible but then you then you'll probably have to go in person and even when i wanted to go to my first appointment that's they were like you have to go to long beach because they're our head va office for the la area and all the ones that are closer to my house are satellite and so i had to go in person to the va so i kind of recommend going to the large va hospital in your area and registering with the real human even if you're past the five or ten year window because they can help you and they can actually like explain to you the rules instead of i i kind of regret not ever taking any action and just being like i disqualify myself by like just saying oh i missed the five-year window i instead of going to the va and talking to a person and having them tell me no instead i just said i i messed up i should have gone and then i just waited so that would be my advice and so i know you did so much of this listening to this your story you did so much of this on your own but there are people that can help you through the process, whether it's filing a claim or, as you said, going in person to one of the larger uh, VA hospitals or clinics and actually talking to a human. So uh, learning from this experience, and you gave a little bit more um, of the, your advice of actually going in in person, but are, are there other organizations like VSOs or veteran service organizations that you can go to to get some help to get through this process? I don't know for registering. I don't. I don't know if they can help you with the registration because the registration, it's really simple online. You just fill out, you know, your information and it's really, and it was the same forms that I did in person. So for registering, I don't think that they're like, maybe you could talk to someone at like uh, the VFW or the American Legion or, you know, Wounded Warriors, even there's different, like disabled veterans. There's so many organizations, but I actually, when I was trying to file my claim, I knew I didn't want to do it on my own. And I really struggled to find someone. I emailed my local American Legion. I never heard back. I emailed my local VFW. I never heard back. And I don't know if it's because it was the LA area and it was like right after the PACT Act and they were just overwhelmed. But I ended up emailing a friend in DC and said, do you know anyone who could help me? And she was able to give me someone who is able to help me with my claim. And if someone's looking for someone, I can, I don't want to like blast his information out here, but you could always email directly and I would be happy to pass on his information because he was able to help me with like all the paperwork and get everything filed. Well, that's great to know. It's nice to know that I, as you demonstrated that sometimes just reaching out to our veteran community um, and just letting everyone know that we're looking for assistance, that we're going to find somebody who can help 
us that has actually been through this process or helped others get through this process. Now, on top of having an individual walk us through the process of either filing a claim or getting involved in VA healthcare, do they also offer a class that extends the last we get from TAPS, but a, you know, an actual class that goes through a little, a more of a deep dive through what you know VA healthcare benefits are, especially for women. Yeah, so I did attend a class last December, and I know they're not offering it now, but they're going to be offering it again probably late winter and spring of next year. And so I'm, I'll definitely share it, but I went to, it was supposed to be four hours. It ended up going over like four hours and 30 minutes. And it was only about VA healthcare. It wasn't about VA disability. It wasn't about the GI bill. It wasn't about home loan. It was only about healthcare and it was scheduled for four hours and you'd think it would have ended early, but no, it ended late and I had to leave early. It actually, I stayed for four and a half hours. It wasn't over. People were still asking questions, but I had a meeting that I had to go to. And I actually left and I actually left the training in tears because I thought I had missed my chance. They didn't have the updated information about the 10 years and like they showed like the income qualifications, which you they're really they need to be updated. They're really low, especially if you live in L.A., California. They're like yeah. <laughs> insanely and they're they're nationwide. So it doesn't matter if you live in Ohio or L.A. You have it makes to make no sense. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, we make way too much money. I'm never going to get health care. And I just learned about all these benefits that that I don't need today, but, you know, as I get older and as, you know, like my health declines, then I'm not going to have access to it because I didn't register. And I was really upset because I felt like it wasn't fair that just because I didn't know that I was supposed to do something that I wasn't going to be able to get my benefits. And so I was, I was really upset. I actually started my next meeting cry because I was just overwhelmed by like, what I had, you know, like the information I now had and I felt was totally useless, but I also was crying and felt that what the heck I'm going to apply. So it finally got me to apply and then I was able to uh, get registered with the VA. And so, yeah, but it was, it's, yeah, there's so much to offer within the VA healthcare system and I had no idea. And I still like, I spent a four hour class. I should know everything and there's still so much more to learn. Yeah, it's, it's, we've, we've discovered that you can never get everything at once because even if they do cover it, there's only so much that we can actually absorb, right? Where we'll have to go back and check and actually look through and, you're, you write about, you know, um, getting in there and registering within that period, just in case something happens down the road. Because I think there are a few of uh, quite a few of us that actually are even out, out of that 10 year window. From what you've experienced, is there anything that those of us who are outside of even that 10 year window can do at this point? If you're outside the 10 year window, I would recommend talking to someone who can help you file a disability claim, because if you get a disability rating of 0% or higher, then you don't have to worry about the income levels and that can get you in. So if you're past the window, you can look and see like, do you have hearing loss? Do you have, you know, pain in one of your legs because of, you know, if you can work with someone and like go through and find a disability or if you know you have a disability and you need to do that claim that would be the thing that i would do because then once you get rated at zero percent 
then you can get that rating allows you to get VA healthcare. And disability and healthcare are separate. So you have, there's more, like once you get your rating, then you have to go and talk to healthcare so that they know it's not like a, it's not as easy as you get your rating, you're in healthcare. It's like, now you have your rating. No, they don't, they're silo. Okay, so the silo, got it. So we have to jump from one silo to the other. So there's still a lot of onus on ourselves to make sure that we're advocating for ourselves that we're um, looking for that information to make sure that we understand the process as we go through. And if our questions are answered to keep asking them and find out, keep, keep working until we find the person that can actually answer our questions. That is a lot. And it can be intimidating for, for many to even start on this process, but it is worth it at the end. Now, for those of us who are, again, are also military dependents, spouses of active duty members, how does having that um, access to VA health care while also having access to TRICARE, what's that benefit? So I think the benefit, at least for me, my so I went to the doctor in L.A. at the Air Force Base Clinic or Space Force Base, whatever they want to call it. I went to the clinic on base and I met with my doctor and he literally just checked my pulse. And when I asked him questions about like, should I be screening for breast cancer because I'm getting closer to 40? He told me, well, the age has changed to 45. And I was like, yeah, but I'm a veteran. And he didn't seem to like understand why that mattered and like that I had deployed. And so um, he also didn't do, he didn't suggest doing blood work. So like, it was like my yearly appointment and maybe some bases are better. Some bases are not as good. I got my referral, which is why I went to the doctor, but I didn't feel like I got anything else out of it. And then you didn't feel like he listened to your concerns or really took into your account your entire history, your medical history. Yeah. Especially like deploying to Afghanistan. I mean, the PACT Act had just come out and I was like worried about all these things. And I don't know if you know Kate Hendricks. Um, she died of breast cancer and like she's her son was one of the people who was there when they signed it. She's actually she was actually interviewed on the podcast. Yeah. So like those were like big concerns for me. And he didn't seem to have like the same concern or understanding. And so I I was like, well, that wasn't very helpful. And so I was planning on switching from prime to standard. Is that what it is? Select. That's what I'm on. I'm on select because of that um, issue, because I didn't feel like my voice was necessarily hurt. It, it varied so much across installations that I did prefer TRICARE select where I could find that the, a doctor who can listen to my concerns. Yeah. So that was my plan this year to switch but then I went to my VA health appointment because once you're registered in the VA you're supposed to go every year to like do a yearly physical with your doctor and it was the best appointment I have ever gone to she explained not only like she didn't say they always are like your blood works looks great but she explained to me what each section meant and like what things she's looking for and then like they you know talked about all the concerns I had and told me like and they put in my record you know things that we're watching for um, I was able to get the referral to dermatology and I just left feeling like heard and taken care of and I was like this is the greatest thing ever so yes I have TRICARE but that's like my you know, back up if there's an emergency and I have to go to the emergency room, I have insurance and I'm planning on getting all my like health care through the VA because. Now, is this on the VA, the women's health clinic? Because I know you talked about that. Okay. 
Yes, I did. Yeah, so I'm going down to Long Beach because that's where the main... V There's another VA hospital in, like, downtown LA, which I'm not going to go there. But the closest VA hospital is in Long Beach, and they have a VA health clinic. There's a few satellite clinics closer to my house, but they don't have a women's health clinic. And so it was recommended to me to go there. And so I would recommend that to any women veteran because it was amazing, amazing care. That's, that is great to hear because that's the one thing that we're always, I know I'm cautious about whenever there's any type of healthcare is like, wait a minute, are they actually going to listen to me um, when I have these concerns? Are they going to take the time or is this going to be the 15 minutes? Let's check you out. And, you know, if it isn't acute, you know, it's almost like you're being triaged. <laughs> if it isn't acute, it isn't addressed versus um, having them look at that long-term goal, right? Here is, we want you to stay as healthy as possible for as long as possible. And if we can prevent anything now or, you know, look at anything as er and catch things as early as possible, like your melanoma to catch it at stage zero. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you, we dream of, right? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, and the doctor was younger than me. She was like a young, she wasn't a veteran, but she had a passion for helping veterans. And like, we had a whole hour to do the appointment so like she wasn't rushed and I was able to get all my questions answered and like she spent all that time on like what each part of my blood work meant and why she wasn't worried about she's like she could have just said your blood work looks great because that's that's essentially what she said but no she went through like each number and explained why like what we would be worried about and why and then she was like and these ones change like every 24 hours so this one's a little high but I'm not worried because all the rest of your blood work looks fine and so it was a really it was so it was such a great appointment you had me at the fact that the appoint you had an entire hour for the appointment and you used that hour that's almost unheard of right where they give you an hour but you don't actually you're not with your doctor for an entire hour oh no yeah you were with it, I mean, between the nurse tech and the doctor, it was an hour, but it was like at least 30 to 40 minutes with, with the doctor. So that's that's reason alone that people should attempt, especially our fellow women veterans, you should attempt to try to get registered in the VA healthcare system. Um, I, I liked how you talked about don't disqualify yourself, have them tell you no and why they give you a no. And I was actually looking when I filed my claim and my end of service date was actually connected to my IRR service and not my like date I left active duty. So I actually did disqualify myself when I wasn't like it was five years and one month. I think I was still on IRR when I disqualified myself from. So yeah, so even like my 10 years isn't up because I have, you know, the date on my VA form is actually a few years after I left active duty. So yes. that's another thing to think about. Most people, you know, that's a, that's an easy one to miss is our actual IRR, you know, because there's another letter that comes when it says that you have satisfied your IRR. And I remember the day that that letter arrived and I saved that one too, because I know that's the actual last day. Yep. That's a good tip. That is a good tip to measure from that day. Yes. And it's okay. It's really easy to forget because it's not something that marks in our mind until you get that letter in the mail, like, oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, because I'm thinking 10 years and it's, you know, October 4th of next year, but that was just when I left active duty. That's not actually my 10 year window. Now, one thing I did, I was curious about is that relatively recently, we just had the deadline as of this recording, we had the deadline where you could turn in your intent to file claim for the PACT Act. How is that different from your, the disability claim? 
No, that that's the start of your disability claim. So your intent to file is saying, I plan to file a disability claim. And in your intent to file, you put what areas that you're planning to have the VA look over. And then from that date of your intent to file, you have a year to uh, get all the paperwork submitted to the VA. And so I did my intent to file in October of last year. And then it took me until April to get all my paperwork collected and and then sent over to the VA rep and then submitted to the VA. And then I did my appointments in mostly in May. And then I had one last appointment in July. And then they made their decision. And the intent to file date is important. And the reason they were telling people to do it by, you know, the anniversary date of when the PACT Act was signed was because your back pay or your payment date starts the day that you intend to file. So when I got my final disability claim compensation, it didn't go back. It didn't start the day they made the decision. It went back all the way to October. And if you did your intent to file in August before, I think it was August, before the PACT Act date was, then it'll all, it'll go all the way back to when the PACT Act date was signed. So you'll be getting not only from your intent to file date, but it'll actually backdate to when the PACT Act was signed. For those who missed the deadline, is there is there any recourse or any way for them to still be able to file you can still file your claim, but it's just not going to go back. It's not. It's going to go from the intent to file date and not go backwards to the date the PACT Act was signed. Got it. And so it's so, never too late. You would still be, you know, the ability to access that health care is still there. I think that's the one big thing. I want to make sure that any myths are dispelled as we're going through this, that folks, I know folks that, you know, were the last minute of procrastinators or just folks that they, they disqualified themselves, right? And so they dragged their feet and then they felt, oh, well, I missed the deadline. There's no way. And I'm like, I don't think that's right. It's, it means two different things, but you still can file. Yeah, you can still file. You can still, yeah, the PACT Act is like forevermore, you know, going forward. And actually they just changed that, like the backdating thing was like a one month thing. When I filed in October, I thought my date was October because they didn't, you know, they didn't come out with that until in the summertime. And then they were like, oh, by the way, we're going to actually go all the way back to. And so, yeah, so that's like actually the things that I claim for. I got zero percent for PACT Act related things. So my intent to file date was November or October. And that was when my compensation goes back to because the things that I filed for that were related to the PACT Act, I got 0%. And so it didn't go back to that August date or October, July, August. So somewhere in that, I'm like, I can't remember. It was in the summer. Yeah, you know, close enough, close enough. It had to have been August because we were PCSing while they were advocating on Capitol Hill. Wow, that's a, that's an emotional, uh, you know, I like that. You have that emotion of the PCS to tie to that. Yeah. You'll never forget like that time. I remember here is the PCS and well, because I wanted to be on the steps of the Capitol and I was moving, like I was leaving D.C. at like the time when I yes. wanted to be out, you know, advocating. It was like the worst time to of leave. So. We never have a good time then. It's time for a military move. Never, never. You know, as we're, this is the season right now as we're recording this and early fall into fall when um, all of the services generally have their professional development conferences. 
And I love how they go through, um, as I look at the agendas, I see that they go through not just the policy um, that they have for the services and, and, and how they you know, execute their functions, but they also talk about access to care, things that um, benefits that they, they can access no matter what installation that they're at. Looking back, after going through what you've been through, you know, post-separation, what do you think that they should cover? Do you think they should cover this during those professional development conferences? Because I find that the earlier you start documenting or understanding this process, the better so that you're better prepared when you first transition out. So do you think that they should cover this and to, and to what depth should they cover this? Oh, that's a good secondary question. Yeah, I feel like there's like DOD. Oh my, you can't see my hand. There's DOD and then there's like VA veteran. I, I feel like there's this huge, like see how my hands are far apart? They'd be farther apart, but they wouldn't be on the screen. But there's this huge gap between people on active duty and the reserves and in, I said reserves, in the reserve and in the National Guard. And then, you know, all the veteran support agencies. And I feel like for the reserve and the National Guard, they're a little bit closer together. But I really wish we would start talking to people on active duty about what's coming next, like what VSOs are available, the VA healthcare and what those benefits are and what you need to be doing today. And I think the main thing, it doesn't have to be like a deep dive. It just has to be like, you know, 30 minutes or an hour presentation saying, this is what VA healthcare is. This is what VA disability is. They're different. And then, you know, just making people aware. It doesn't have to be super deep because if they're going to hear this like over and over and over, it doesn't need to be like a huge deep dive. It's just something that they need to be aware of so that, that they're ready. Because I, but the hard part is I feel like active duty people and I was like them are like, I don't need to worry about that. You know, it's until it's kind you of, see what happens, and all of a sudden you're separating before you actually plan to do that. Yeah. So I see because I went to the Joint Women Leadership Symposium, and it I was on the stage. I was the only veteran representative, and I understood. And I understood like the questions from the audience were all f focused on like active duty issues, and I I understand that like people are worried about their troops and like going to that conference, I learned about like the stress and the challenges that they're facing, but they weren't focused on the future because they're, you know, focused so much so on like the present. Yeah. And that's, and it's that tunnel vision. But if you were in charge of anyone, either you're a mentor, you're a leader of some type at any level, you'd want to be aware of what this is because at some point one of your troops is going to end up transitioning and you want to make sure that they're getting that information. Even if you don't know everything about it, you should know it's somewhere there back in the nugget and oh, wait a minute, I think I have a POC that I can direct you to that can get this information. Yeah. So yeah, just understanding like what's there. And I even if you couched it as like, we're telling you this because you're going to have troops who are getting out and you need to know this so that you could tell them, then I think that would go over better. Because if you're saying like giving them a reason in the here and now of why they need to know this information, they do need to know it as commander so that they can tell their troops about it, but then they'll also know it for themselves. So I think that's a good idea to couch it as you need to know this because your troops are getting out and you need to make sure that you take care of them. And then they also learn the information for themselves. 
See, I've, I already have thought of another roadshow for you to do where you can go. You can go to different installations and you can bring that up. So out of all of this that we've talked about today, we've covered quite a bit. First, the first thing that I think if I, if I had to summarize first, don't disqualify yourself. Go ahead, try to register, um, and then let them tell you no and why it's a no. Two, it's never too late to file a claim and that it's okay to go ask for help. And then um, three, that um, if we can to start, um, you know, planting that seed for folks that are currently on active duty, uh, that, hey, it's available. You don't need to know everything about this, but help your fellow, you know, fellow veterans that that is available for them and that, you know, it's something that they they should uh, consider because it's it's a benefit. It's a benefit that we've earned by our service to the country. So why would we leave that on the table? Um, and it's something that we should, you know, take advantage of while we can, because it, even if, if we don't have anything that's affecting us right now, you know, we're still relatively young. We're not sure what it's going to look like in 20, 30 years. And you just want to make sure if there was something that we have today that just worsens over time or something that's discovered down the road that, Hey, we've, we've already, you know, we've looked into the resources and benefits that we were eligible for. Now it's time for us to take advantage of it. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen, I think it's called Amsterdam, but it's a movie about the World War One veterans and what they faced when they came home. And there wasn't a veterans administration and they actually were the big advocates who fought for the World War Two veterans to get. So that movie was is really good to see why the VA is so important because of how the veterans were treated and the different challenges they faced. And it was really eye opening to learn that history of like what because you know, we've grown up, the VA has been there and it's kind of like something we're like, oh yeah, the VA. But if you learn like what it was like for World War One veterans, and I know it's a movie, but it, you know, it's historically based and it's really interesting to see like how they were treated and how their needs weren't met. And there was nothing offered from the government. It was other veterans taking care of veterans, you know, doctors who, you know, left their practice to take care of veterans and like couldn't even really survive because the veterans couldn't pay them. But they felt a responsibility to take care of the veterans who had been like mangled or had all these issues. And so I think that movie is so good for veterans to watch to realize like why the VA is important why they need to you know those veterans they fought for you like they fought for world war ii but they really fought for you so that you would be taken care of in the future they don't want what happened to them to happen to you and so it's not like you're gaming the system or taking advantage like you served our country and these benefits are here for you and you need to you know do the hard work it's not easy do the hard work and get those get registered in the system if you have a disability or if you have something from your service that is affecting you today do a disability claim and get the compensation that's there because you served your country and you need to be taken care of and so that's that's how i really want to end it it's so important and that is the perfect way to end today's interview is that that call to action uh, number one, watch party for New Amsterdam. And then number two, do the work, do the work, get registered, um, take advantage of the benefits that these, that our forebears, you know, uh, worked so hard and fought so hard that we have today. Thank you so much for doing this well, interview. Thank you, Amanda, for having me on and um, getting to turn the tables and interview you again.
Yeah, it was really fun. And if anyone is listening and they have questions about, because we were like at the, you know, Air Force, like 40,000 foot level. But if you have questions, I'm happy to help. You just have to email me or send me a message on social media and I can help. You know, I probably won't know the answer, but I can direct you to people who do know the answers because it is really complicated and it can feel really overwhelming. But I really highly recommend that you take that step to you know, do what you need to do. And I'm here to help you along the way.